0: chapter thirty two of the pilot by james fenimore cooper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty two nay answer me stand and unfold yourself hamlet during the time occupied by the incidents that occurred after the pilot had made his descent on the land the alacrity now under the orders of mr boltrope the master of the frigate lay off and on in readiness to receive the successful mariners the direction of the wind had been gradually changing from the northeast to the south during the close of the day and long before the middle watches of the night the wary old seaman who it may be remembered had expressed in the council of war such a determined reluctance to trust his person within the realm of britain ordered the man who steered the cutter to stand in boldly for the land whenever the lead told them that it was prudent to tack the course of the vessel was changed and in this manner the seamen continued to employ the hours in patient attendance on the adventurers the sailing-master who had spent the early years of his life as the commander of divers vessels employed in trading was apt like many men of his vocation and origin to mistake the absence of refinement for the surest evidence of seamanship and consequently he held the little courtesies and punctilios of a man-of-war in high disdain his peculiar duties of superintending the expenditure of the ship's stores in their several departments of keeping the frigate's log-book and of making his daily examinations into the state of her sails and rigging brought him so little in collision with the gay laughing reckless young lieutenants who superintended the ordinary management of the vessel that he might be said to have formed a distinct species of the animal though certainly of the same genus with his more polished messmates whenever circumstances however required that he should depart from the dull routine of his duty he made it a rule as far as possible to associate himself with such of the crew as possessed habits and opinions the least at variance with his own by a singular fatality the chaplain of the frigate was as respects associates in a condition nearly assimilated to that of this veteran tar an earnest desire to ameliorate the situation of those who were doomed to meet death on the great deep and induced an experienced and simple-hearted divine to accept this station in the fond hope that he might be made the favored instrument of salvation to many who were then existing in a state of the most abandoned self-forgetfulness neither our limits nor our present object will permit the relation of the many causes that led not only to an entire frustration of all his visionary expectations but to an issue which rendered the struggle of the good divine with himself both arduous and ominous in order to maintain his own claims to the merited distinctions of his sacred office the consciousness of his backsliding had so far lessened the earthly if not the spiritual pride of the chaplain as to induce him to relish the society of the rude master whose years had brought him at times to take certain views of futurity that were singularly affected by the peculiar character of the individual it might have been that both found themselves out of their places but it was owing to some such secret sympathy let its origin be what it would that the two came to be fond of each other's company on the night in question mr boltrope had invited the chaplain to accompany him in the alacrity adding in his broad rough language that as there was to be fighting on shore his hand might come in play with some poor fellow or other this singular invitation had been accepted as well from a desire to relieve the monotony of a sea-life by any change as perhaps with a secret yearning in the breast of the troubled divine to get as nigh to terra firma as possible accordingly after the pilot had landed with his boisterous party the sailing-master and the chaplain together with the boatswain's mate and some ten or twelve seamen were left in quiet possession of the cutter the first few hours of this peaceable intercourse had been spent by the worthy messmates in the little cabin of the vessel over a can of grog the savory relish of which was much increased by a characteristic disquisition on polemical subjects which our readers have great reason to regret it is not our present humor to record when however the winds invited the near approach to the hostile shores already mentioned the prudent sailing-master adjourned the discussion to another and more suitable time removing himself and the can by the same operation to the quarter-deck there cried the honest tar placing the wooden vessel with great self-contentment by his side on the deck this is ship's comfort there is a good deal of what i call a lubber's fuss parson kept up on board a ship that shall be nameless but which bears about three leagues distant broad off in the ocean and which is lying to under a close-reefed main-topsail a foretopmast staysail and foresail i call my hand a true one in mixing a can take another pull at the halyards twill make your eye twinkle like a lighthouse this dark morning you won't well we must give no offence to the englishman's rum after a potent draught had succeeded this considerate declaration he added you are a little like our first lieutenant parson who drinks as i call it nothing but the elements which is water stiffened with air mr griffith may indeed be said to set a wholesome example to the crew returned the chaplain perhaps with a slight consciousness that it had not altogether possessed its due weight with himself wholesome cried Boltrope. let me tell you my worthy leaf turner that if you call such a light diet wholesome you know but little of salt water and sea-fogs however mr griffith is a seaman and if he gave his mind less to trifles and gimcracks, he would be by the time he got to about our years a very rational sort of a companion but you see parson just now he thinks too much of small follies such as man-of-war discipline now there is rationality in giving a fresh nip to a rope or in looking well at your mats or even in crowning a cable but dammy priest if i see the use luff luff you lubber don't ye see sir you are steering for garmony if i see the use as i was saying of making a rumpus about the time when a man changes his shirt whether it be this week or next week or for that matter the week after provided it be bad weather i sometimes am mawkish about attending muster and i believe i have as little to fear on the score of behaviour as any man lest it should be found i carried my tobacco in the wrong cheek i have indeed thought it somewhat troublesome to myself at times and it is in a striking degree vexatious to the spirit especially when the body has been suffering under sea-sickness why yes you were a little apt to bend your duds wrong for the first month or so said the master i remember you got the marine scraper on your head once in your hurry to bury a dead man then you never looked as if you belonged to the ship so long as those cursed black knee-breeches lasted for my part i never saw you come up the quarter-deck ladder but i expected to see your shins give way across the combing of the hat a man does look like the devil priest scudding about a ship's decks in that fashion under bare poles but now the tailor has found out the articles aren't seaworthy and we have got your lower stanchions cased in a pair of purser's slops i am puzzled often to tell your heels from those of a main topman i have good reason to be thankful for the change said the humbled priest if the resemblance you mention existed while i was clad in the usual garb of one of my calling what signifies a calling returned Boltrope, catching his breath after a most persevering draught a man's shins are his shins that his upper works belong to what service they may i took an early prejudice against knee-breeches perhaps from a trick i've always had of figuring the devil as wearing them you know parson we seldom hear much said of a man without forming some sort of an idea concerning his rigging and fashion pieces and so as i had no particular reason to believe that satan went naked keep full ye lubber now you are running into the wind's eye and be darned to ye! but as i was saying i always took a conceit that the devil wore knee-breeches and a cocked hat there are some of our young lieutenants who come to muster on sundays in cocked hats just like soldier officers but do you see i would sooner show my nose under a nightcap than under a scraper i hear the sound of oars," exclaimed the chaplain who finding this image more distinct than even his own vivid conceptions of the great father of evil was quite willing to conceal his inferiority by changing the discourse is not one of our boats returning ay ay tis likely if it had been me i should have been land sick before this wear round boys and stand by to heave to on the other tack the cutter obedient to her helm fell off before the wind and rolling an instant in the trough of the sea came up again easily to her oblique position with her head towards the cliffs and gradually losing her way as her sails were brought to counteract each other finally became stationary during the performance of this evolution a boat had hove up out of the gloom in the direction of the land and by the time the alacrity was in a state of rest it had approached so nigh as to admit of hailing boat ahoy murmured boltrope through a trumpet which aided by his lungs produced sounds not unlike the roaring of a bull ay ay was thrown back from a clear voice that swept across the water with a fulness that needed no factitious aid to render it audible ay there comes one of the lieutenants with his ay ay said boltrope piped aside the there you boatswain's mate but here's another fellow more on our quarter boat ahoy alacrity returned another voice in a direction different from the other alacrity there goes my commission of captain of this craft in a whiff returned the sailing-master that is as much as to say here comes one who will command when he gets on board well well it is mr griffith and i can't say notwithstanding his love of knee-buckles and small wares but i'm glad he's out of the hands of the english i hear they all come upon us at once here is another fellow that pulls like the jolly-boat coming up on our lee-beam within hail let us see if he is asleep boat ahoy flag answered a third voice from a small light rowing boat which had approached very near the cutter in a direct line from the cliffs without being observed flag echoed boltrope dropping his trumpet in amazement that's a big word to come out of a jolly boat jack manley himself could not have spoken it with a fuller mouth but i'll know who it is that carries such a weather helm with a yankee man-of-war's prize boat ahoy i say this last call was uttered in those short menacing tones that are intended to be understood as intimating that the party hailing is in earnest and it caused the men who were rowing and who were now quite close to the cutter to suspend their strokes simultaneously as if they dreaded that the cry would be instantly succeeded by some more efficient means of ascertaining their character the figure that was seated by itself in the stern of the boat started at this second summons and then as if with sudden recollection a quiet voice replied no 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 no, no and flag are very different answers grumbled Boltrope. what no nothing have we here he was yet muttering his dissatisfaction at the ignorance of the individual that was approaching whoever it might be when the jolly-boat came slowly to their side and the pilot stepped from her stern sheets on the decks of the prize is it you mr pilot exclaimed the sailing-master raising a battle lantern within a foot of the other's face and looking with a sort of stupid wonder at the proud and angry eye he encountered is it you well i should have rated you for a man of more experience than to come booming down upon a man-of-war in the dark with such a big word in your mouth when every boy in the two vessels knows that we carry no swallow-tailed bun abroad flag why you might have got a shot Had there been soldiers the pilot threw him a still fiercer glance and turning away with a look of disgust he walked along the quarter-deck towards the stern of the vessel with an air of haughty silence as if disdaining to answer boltrope kept his eyes fastened on him for a moment longer with some appearance of scorn but the arrival of the boat first hailed which proved to be the barge immediately drew his attention to other matters barnstable had been rowing about in the ocean for a long time unable to find the cutter and as he had been compelled to suit his own demeanour to those with whom he was associated he reached the alacrity in no very good-humoured mood colonel howard and his niece had maintained during the whole period the most rigid silence the former from pride and the latter touched with her uncle's evident displeasure and katherine though secretly elated with the success of all her projects was content to emulate their demeanour for a short time in order to save appearances barnstable had several times addressed himself to the latter without receiving any other answer than such as was absolutely necessary to prevent the lover from taking direct offence at the same time that she intimated by her manner her willingness to remain silent accordingly the lieutenant after aiding the ladies to enter the cutter and offering to perform the same service to colonel howard which was coldly declined turned with that sort of irritation that is by no means less rare in vessels of war than with poor human nature generally and gave vent to his spleen where he dared how's this mr boltrope he cried here are boats coming alongside with ladies in them and you keep your gaft swayed up till the leech of the sail is stretched like a fiddle-string settle away your peak halliards sir settle away ay ay sir grumbled the master settle away that peak there though the craft wouldn't forge ahead a knot in a month with all her jibs hauled over he walked sulkily forward among the men followed by the meek divine and added i should as soon have expected to see mr barnstable come off with a live ox in his boat as a petticoat the lord only knows what the ship is coming to next parson well between cocked hats and epaulets and other knee-buckle matters she was a sort of no man's land before and now what with the women and their bandboxes, they'll make another noah's ark of her i wonder they didn't all come aboard in a coach-in-six or a one-horse shay. it was a surprising relief to barnstable to be able to give utterance to his humour for a few moments by ordering the men to make sundry alterations in every department of the vessel in a quick hurried voice that abundantly denoted not only the importance of his improvements but the temper in which they were dictated in his turn however he was soon compelled to give way by the arrival of griffith in the heavily rowing launch of the frigate which was crowded with a larger body of the seamen who had been employed in the expedition in this manner boat after boat speedily arrived and the whole party were once more happily embarked in safety under their national flag the small cabin of the alacrity was relinquished to colonel howard and his wards with their attendants the boats were dropped astern each protected by its own keeper and griffith gave forth the mandate to fill the sails and steer brought off into the ocean for more than an hour the cutter held her course in this direction gliding gracefully through the glittering waters rising and settling heavily on the long smooth billows as if conscious of the unusual burden that she was doomed to carry but at the end of that period her head was once more brought near the wind and she was again held at rest awaiting the appearance of the dawn in order to discover the position of the prouder vessel on which she was performing the humble duty of a tender more than a hundred and fifty living men were crowded within her narrow limits and her decks presented in the gloom as she moved along the picture of a mass of human heads as the freedom of a successful expedition was unavoidably permitted loud jokes and louder merriment broke on the silent waters from the reckless seamen while the exhilarating can passed from hand to hand strange oaths and dreadful denunciations breaking forth at times from some of the excited crew against their enemy at length the bustle of re-embarking gradually subsided and many of the crew descended to the hold of the cutter in quest of room to stretch their limbs when a clear manly voice was heard rising above the deep in those strains that a seaman most loves to hear air succeeded air from different voices until even the spirit of harmony with fatigue and verses began to be heard where songs were expected and fleeting lines succeeded stanzas the decks were soon covered with prostrate men seeking their natural rest under the open heavens and perhaps dreaming as they yielded heavily to the rolling of the vessel of scenes of other times in their own hemisphere the dark glances of Catherine were concealed beneath her falling lids and even cecilia with her head bowed on the shoulder of her cousin slept sweetly in innocence and peace groped his way into the hold among the seamen where kicking one of the most fortunate of the men from his berth, he established himself in his place with all that cool indifference to the other's comfort that had grown with his experience from the time when he was treated thus cavalierly in his own person to the present moment in this manner head was dropped after head on the planks the guns or on whatever first offered for a pillow until griffith and barnstable alone were left pacing the different sides of the quarter-deck in haughty silence never did a morning watch appear so long to the two young sailors who were thus deprived by resentment and pride of that frank and friendly communion that had for so many years sweetened the tedious hours of their long and in time's dreary service to increase the embarrassment of their situation cecilia and katherine suffering from the confinement of the small and crowded cabin sought the purer air of the deck about the time when the deepest sleep had settled on the senses of the wearied mariners they stood leaning against the taffrail discoursing with each other in low and broken sentences but a sort of instinctive knowledge of the embarrassment which existed between their lovers caused a guarded control over every look or gesture which might be construed into an encouragement for one of the young men to advance at the expense of the other twenty times however did the impatient barnstable feel tempted to throw off the awkward restraint and approach his mistress but in each instance was he checked by the secret consciousness of error as well as by that habitual respect for superior rank that forms a part of the nature of a sea-officer on the other hand griffith manifested no intention to profit by this silent concession in his favour but continued to pace the short quarter-deck with strides more hurried than ever and was seen to throw many an impatient glance towards that quarter of the heavens where the first signs of the lingering day might be expected to appear at length Catherine, with a ready ingenuity and perhaps with some secret coquetry removed the embarrassment by speaking first taking care to address the lover of her cousin how long are we condemned to these limited lodgings mr griffith she asked truly there is a freedom in your nautical customs which to say the least is novel to us females who have been accustomed to the division of space the instant that there is light to discover the frigate miss Plowden, he answered you shall be transferred from a vessel of an hundred to one of twelve hundred tons if your situation there be less comfortable than when within the walls of st ruth you will not forget that they who live on the ocean claim it as a merit to despise the luxuries of the land at least sir returned katherine with a sweet grace which she well knew how to assume on occasion what we shall enjoy will be sweetened by liberty and embellished by a sailor's hospitality to me cicely the air of this open sea is as fresh and invigorating as if it were wafted from our own distant america if you have not the arm of a patriot you at least possess a most loyal imagination miss plowden said griffith laughing this soft breeze blows in the direction of the fens of holland instead of the broad plains of america thank god there come the signs of day at last unless the currents have swept the ship far to the north we shall surely see her with the light this cheering intelligence drew the eyes of the fair cousins towards the east where their delighted looks were long fastened while they watched the glories of the sun rising over the water as the morning had advanced a deeper gloom was spread across the ocean and the stars were gleaming in the heavens like balls of twinkling fire but now a streak of pale light showed itself along the horizon growing brighter and widening at each moment until long fleecy clouds became visible where nothing had been seen before but the dim base of the arch that overhung the dark waters this expanding light which in appearance might be compared to a silvery opening in the heavens was soon tinged with a pale flush which quickened with sudden transitions into glows yet deeper until a belt of broad flame bounded the water diffusing itself more faintly towards the zenith where it melted into the pearl-coloured sky or played on the fantastic volumes of a few light clouds within constant glimmering while these beautiful transitions were still before the eyes of the youthful admirers of their beauties a voice was heard above them crying as if from the heavens sail ho the frigate lies brought off to the seaward sir ay ay you have been watching with one eye asleep fellow returned griffith or we should have heard you before look a little north of the place where the glare of the sun is coming miss plowden and you will be able to see our gallant vessel an involuntary cry of pleasure burst from the lips of katherine as she followed his directions and first beheld the frigate through the medium of the fluctuating colours of the morning the undulating outline of the lazy ocean which rose and fell heavily against the bright boundary of the heavens was without any relief to distract the eye as it fed eagerly on the beauties of the solitary ship she was riding sluggishly on the long seas with only two of her lower and smaller sails spread to hold her in command but her tall masts and heavy yards were painted against the fiery sky in strong lines of deep black while even the smallest cord in the mazes of her rigging might be distinctly traced stretching from spar to spar with the beautiful accuracy of a picture at moments when her huge hull rose on a billow and was lifted against the background of the sky its shape and dimensions were brought into view but these transient glimpses were soon lost as it settled into the trough leaving the waving spars bowing gracefully towards the waters as if about to follow the vessel into the bosom of the deep as a clearer light gradually stole on the senses the delusion of colours and distance vanished together and when a flood of day preceded the immediate appearance of the sun the ship became plainly visible within a mile of the cutter her black hull chequered with ports and her high tapering masts exhibiting their proper proportions and hues at the first cry of a sail the crew of the alacrity had been aroused from their slumbers by the shrill whistle of the boatswain and long before the admiring looks of the two cousins had ceased to dwell on the fascinating sight of morning chasing night from the hemisphere, the cutter was again in motion to join her consort. It seemed but a moment before their little vessel was in what the timid females thought a dangerous proximity to the frigate under whose lee she slowly passed in order to admit of the following dialogue between Griffith and his aged commander. "'I rejoice to see you, Mr. Griffith,' cried the captain, who stood in the channel of his ship, waving his hat in the way of cordial greeting. "'You are welcome back, Captain Manuel. Welcome, welcome, all of you, my boys, as welcome as a breeze in the calm latitudes.' As his eye, however, passed along the deck of the alacrity, it encountered the shrinking figures of Cecilia and Catherine, and a dark shade of displeasure crossed his decent features while he added, "'How's this, gentlemen? The frigate of Congress is neither a ballroom nor a church that is to be thronged with women.' ay ay muttered Boltrope to his friend the chaplain now the old man has hauled out his mizzen you will see him carry a weather-helm he wakes up about as often as the trades shift their points and that's once in six months but when there has been a neap tide in his temper for any time you are sure to find it followed by a flood with a vengeance let us hear what the first lieutenant can say in favour of his petticoat quality the blushing sky had not exhibited a more fiery glow than gleamed in the fine face of griffith for a moment But struggling with his disgust, he answered with bitter emphasis, "'Twas the pleasure of Mr. Gray, sir, to bring off the prisoners. Of Mr. Gray,' repeated the captain, instantly losing every trace of displeasure in an air of acquiescence, "'come to, sir, on the same tack with the ship, and I will hasten to order the accommodation ladder rigged to receive our guests.' Boltrop listened to this sudden alteration in the language of his commander with sufficient wonder, nor was it until he had shaken his head repeatedly with the manner of one who saw— deeper than his neighbours into a mystery that he found leisure to observe now parson i suppose if you held an almanac in your fist you'd think you could tell which way we shall have the wind to-morrow but damn me, priest if better calculators than you haven't failed because a lubberly no he's a thorough seaman i'll say that for the fellow because a pilot chooses to say bring me off these here women the ship is to be so cluttered with she cattle that a man will be obligated to spend half his time in making his manners now mind what i tell you priest this very frolic will cost congress the price of a year's wages for an able-bodied seaman in bunting and canvas for screens besides the wear and tear of running gear and shortening sail in order that the women need not be starchy in squalls the presence of mr boltrope being required to take charge of the cutter the divine was denied an opportunity of dissenting from the opinions of his rough companion for the loveliness of their novel shipmates had not failed to plead loudly in their favour with every man in the cutter whose habits and ideas had not become rigidly set in obstinacy by the time the alacrity was hove to with her head towards the frigate the long line of boats that she had been towing during the latter part of the night were brought to her side and filled with men a wild scene of unbridled merriment and gaiety succeeded while the seamen were exchanging the confinement of the prize for their accustomed lodgings in the ship during which the reins of discipline were slightly relaxed loud laughter was echoed from boat to boat as they glided by each other and rude jests interlarded with quaint humours and strange oaths were freely bandied from mouth to mouth the noise however soon ceased and the passage of colonel howard and his wards was then effected with less precipitancy and due decorum captain munson who had been holding a secret dialogue with griffith and the pilot received his unexpected guests with plain hospitality but with an evident desire to be civil he politely yielded to their services two convenient staterooms and invited them to partake in common with himself of the comforts of the great cabin End of chapter thirty two